There's a man open left side. Caught! Touchdown! Yes! This week on Grape Encounters Radio. So that you could help them on their way to victory. What would be the wine that you would replace the Gatorade with? The name of the wine is called Liquid Sunshine, and it's a Pinot ah, Grigio Chardonnay and Savion Blanc blend. And so, if I could add a little bit of Liquid Sunshine to uh, to our Carolina Panthers to help them through the game, we definitely would. And now, transmitting our signal to wine lovers of the world from our Atascadero Wine Cellar Studio in the heart of the Central Coast Wine Country of San Luis Obispo County, California, we bring you Grape Encounters with David Wilson. And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And what a grape encounter it is because the big game is this weekend. And we decided that we had to throw in our two cents worth when it comes to wine and football. And so we decided to pick out two wineries, one in North Carolina and one in Colorado that we thought were pretty interesting. And it's just a little, let's call it healthy competition. And I want to just talk to these guys. And when it's all over, I'm going to use the conversation to predict a winner for the game. (laughs) (laughs) That laughter on the line is Philip Norden, and he is the general manager, managing partner of the Treehouse Vineyard. And what a place this is in Monroe, North Carolina. And when we say treehouse, what do we mean, Philip? We do have actual treehouses. Uh, some people think that it's just uh, our name, but we actually have treehouses you can spend the night in overnight. And they've been so popular in the five years they've been open. We're going to be starting another treehouse the Monday after the Super Bowl. So we're pretty excited about that. So does that mean that your wine drinkers are going to be up in the air about your wines? <laughs> well, we do we do our tastings and everything uh, on the ground, but uh, we do have quite a few people that love to go up in the treehouse and enjoy with the view. It's um, 30, our original treehouse is 30 feet up in the air and they get to uh, have a beautiful view over the entire vineyard. It's really beautiful. So you're taking wine tasting to a higher level. You got it. That's what, <laughs> that's the whole purpose of all this, right? Yeah. And, and I guess uh, you have a lot of branch offices too. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We're going to have to use, I might have to use that. One. <laughs> I noticed one of the tree houses that you have is, uh, it's kind of like the party tree house and it's rented out by the hour. It is. And that's our original tree house. And that's really really where the whole concept of Treehouse Vineyard started from. My mom and dad were taking care of my grandmother, and her health had gotten so um, poor that they had to be here 24 hours a day. And this was 20 years ago before there was ever even a thought of a winery or vineyard here. And the property is 35 acres and has been in our family for over 200 years, so we wanted to be able to keep the property. But my dad built this crazy treehouse 30 feet up in the air for him and my mom just to sit out on Friday and Saturday night and enjoy a glass of wine so they could still be beside their house where my grandmother was, but they wouldn't, they didn't have to bring a nurse in at that time to take care of her. And so my dad, about 10 years later, came up with this crazy idea. He had been making homemade wine for years and decided he wanted to uh, try the commercial side of it. So we planted a vineyard and and, uh, in doing so, we're one of the most, as far as a mom and pop winery goes, we're one of the most visited wineries in the state of North Carolina. Wow, that's awesome. And we started sitting down and talking, and we looked at my dad, and we said, Dad, you know, you've always been kind of the crazy treehouse guy in the local community, and you've already got a lot of free advertising out of it, so we need to use the treehouse and kind of use that name. And that's when my father came up with another idea. He would build a treehouse because a lot of other people wanted to come out and stay in the one that he had already built, but he didn't want to give that one up at the time. So we built a new treehouse right before we opened that people could actually spend the night in. In the last five years of us being open, we've had people from over 20 different countries come in and spend the night 
quiet in the treehouse. But I think, is, but I think what everybody wants to know is whether or not Cam Newton has uh, stayed in that treehouse. He is not yet. Uh, we got to work on that a little bit. We got to get those guys down here a little bit. No you, question about you may that. Need, you may need to reinforce it a little bit though before he goes there. One hundred percent. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that completely. All right, let's talk football for a second. So it's a Carolina Panthers versus the Denver Broncos, and you know Carolina and Denver uh, both making wine, yep. uh, but not like California, let's say, or Washington or, you know, other places, uh, certainly trying to get on the map. So uh, any ideas or suggestions for wines from the Treehouse Vineyards that would pair well with those standard big game food? What would you, well, what I would don't you know suggest- if you know this, but uh, the Charlotte football crowd, even in the, at the stadium, they've always kind of been referred to as the cheese and wine crowd. And um, But I think all that's kind of changed this year since our team is really uh, putting forth kind of that hard-nosed effort. But as far as uh, some wines to go with our foods, we got 12 different wines that we make here. We go sweet to dry, red and white. And one of the things I love letting everybody know, a lot of people don't realize this, but before Prohibition, North Carolina was the number one wine producing state in the whole country. Yeah, no kidding. And that is the truth. I've heard that. Now, wine really began on the East Coast of America, not the West Coast. People just assume because California makes 90% of the wine that's consumed in America that California is where it all started. Not so. Not you so. You got it. That's exactly right. Nah. And I think the whole... The whole 1976 bottle shock uh, thing that happened and the competition kind of got California on the map, but it really started to open up the rest of the world, too. And uh, we're kind of playing catch up on this side of the of the East Coast now. But we're getting there. I think right now North Carolina is number five as far as total production in the U.S. I want to get some of your wines. And I'm talking about the mainstream wines because I know you make like a Chardonnay and I think you make a Cabernet, too. Is that right? We do. and um, But really what we specialize in is the native vines that are native here to North Carolina. And that's called the Muscadine. And muscadines, they make a sweeter wine because of the pH level. Right. Um, we do have to sweeten it up on the back end a little bit, but it has really become incredibly popular. And we, uh, we've we won some gold medals with our cab and our viniferous wines. But to be honest with you, my muscadine wines outsell our dry wines five to one. And a lot of people, especially the newer wine drinkers, prefer sweet wine. And on top of that, we're in sweet tea country. So if there's a place to be selling some sweet wine. <laughs> there you go. We're talking to Philip Norton. He is the uh, general manager of the Treehouse Vineyards. It's a family operation run by uh, Philip and his mom and dad. Uh, who decided that you guys were going to make wine? It, it seems to me dad was up there with mom in the treehouse and needed something to drink. This is it. I, my dad <laughs> has always um, been a very um, out-of-the-box thinker, and he had started making some homemade wine actually on three vines that we have here on the property that are older than I am. There are three original vines that my grandparents had that are over 75 years old. And wow. My dad just started piddling around, making some homemade wine. He um, had a t- uh, textile chemistry degree, so I think all of us probably have some of those overly honest relatives, and uh, I remember the first time my dad ever let some of our relatives try our wine, and you could just kind of see it in their face, you know, ready to make this judgment, like, what in the world are you doing? They took a couple sips, and they kind of had a stone-cold face, looked over at my father, and they said, you know what, Phil, this is some amazing stuff, so... That was wow. uh, kind of part of the catalyst that started it all. And we've been very, very fortunate. Um, been wow. Really, really fortunate. So here's what uh, we ought to do is we'll get some of your uh, vinifera wines and then uh, one or two of your sweet wines. And then we'll come up with something here in California that is the equivalent to those, let's say, four wines. And then we'll have a blind competition. We would love to. Wouldn't that be fun just to beat a California wine? It really would. We would really love it. I actually had a young lady on tour this past Saturday. And after the tour was over, she told me that she was from wine country in California. And um, ended up, uh, she said that she felt like some of our wines could uh, compete with those guys any day of the week. And I myself actually lived in San Francisco for three years. I used to play professional racquetball for a living and ran a big club out there. 
and got was very fortunate that I got to go to a lot of wineries in Northern California, and I really appreciate all the knowledge those guys were able to bestow on us, and I was able to bring a little bit of that knowledge and hopefully help out here as well. All right, so let's get back to the big game, okay? It, it, it is the Denver Broncos versus the Carolina Panthers. From a wine standpoint, what have you got that Denver doesn't? Um, You know, I, I hate to say this. I don't know exactly what the Denver market has, but well, it doesn't have it doesn't have tree houses. I'll tell you that. Well, they don't have tree houses, and I also know that our muscadines we grow here that are very, very unique. Uh, you can't grow them in a cold environment, so I definitely know they don't have that up there as well. But our tree houses are our big thing, and uh, the other thing too, I think this time around we might even have the better football team too. Yeah, but but you intrigue me with the notion that your fan base has been called a wine and cheese crowd. That's that's amazing. It really is. It's uh, the first couple of years I think when the Panthers were in town, um, the fans here in North Carolina, you know, it's a bank community, so uh, we kind of ended up getting the nickname of the cheese and the wine crowd a little bit, but I, I think that's also starting to change a good bit uh, now that we're, um, you know, kind of the, with the face of the football team, too. The, uh, the team's really kind of got this real grit about them this year, and it's really been amazing. They won a lot of close games, and uh, the crowd's really stood behind that, and it's, um, I, I definitely know in the last couple of games, the stadium's been the loudest it's ever been. Alright, so here's the last question. If you could magically replace the game Gatorade that the <laughs> Carolina Panthers will be drinking at the big game with any one wine so that you could help them on their way to victory. What would be the wine that you would replace the Gatorade with? The name of the wine is called Liquid Sunshine, and it's a Pinot Grigio ah. Chardonnay and Savion Blanc blend. And so if I could add a little bit of Liquid Sunshine to uh, to our Carolina Panthers to help them through the game, we definitely would. I don't think the answer could have been any better. And you got a treehouse, and the folks in Denver don't. And so I'm going to get them on the line in just a little bit. We're going to actually have a crowd of wine experts. We're going to lay around and talk about wines to pair with football food. And then after that, we're going to get the folks in Denver on. By the way, they have a canned wine. Canned canned wine. wine. Yeah, I I know. I know. Yeah. But that's uh, very convenient for (laughs) treehouses. That would be. You got that right. All right. Hey, Philip, what a pleasure to have you on. Mr. Wilson, we sincerely appreciate you guys and uh, thank you. And um, we'll uh, be talking to you again soon, we hope. And you just uh, check us out on our affiliates in uh, North Carolina. You can pick us up there. We'll post where you can listen to Grape Encounters uh, in uh, North and South Carolina. And we wish you the best of luck, regardless of who wins the game. I hope that an awful lot of people in North Carolina and beyond are celebrating the game with some great wines from the Treehouse Vineyards. And listen, if you want more information on Treehouse Vineyards, you can just go to treehousevineyards.com. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters, including what to pair with the foods of football right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game-changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. 
Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. And now you cannot believe where I am right now. I am literally on a bed with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wine experts because we are on the set of a new major internet television program called Paso's Best Wines. With me is one of my really true friends in the wine business, Adam Lazar, sitting here having a good time, Adam. I'm in bed with you right now. Could, how could I not be having a great time? Forget me. You've got Katie and Zara here. Zara, the goddess of Tamara, and Katie, the queen of Cass, right? Um, that's correct. Are you enjoying recording the TV program today? <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so it we really pulled everybody been. out of the TV set. It's a little break here now. Talking about the wines that we're going to pair with these Super Bowl foods. So we first have to establish what the Super Bowl foods are. Adam, go. Yeah, uh, buffalo wings. Dude. Buffalo I'm wings. From, I, I grew up near Buffalo. I am a fanatic for buffalo style wings. And they got to be done Louisiana hot sauce, honey, and butter. That seems like an impossible pairing. It's not an impossible pairing. Just remember, it's going to be spicy, so we need something to tame the heat. So what I'm thinking would be something like an Alsatian white, a Riesling, Cause, cause like a Because everybody that's hearing this is got to... Guna. Guna, you got to say that. Now, wait a second, okay? <laughs> Alsatian white, a lot of people are going, what? Like, what is that? What okay. about something more mainstream? A Zin? Okay. Really nice Zin. Nice spice, nice fruit. And I think it would balance with your pairing of barbecue hot wings. Okay. Hi, this okay. is Scott from the Pastorables Daily News. Oh my gosh, here a broadcaster here, country. yes. You know, the first myth I would like to dispel about Super Bowl is that it's cool for guys to drink wine and watch Super Bowl. Amen. You don't always have to have a Coors Light. You don't have to have a Rolling Rock. You can kick back with a nice glass of wine. And I agree with Katie that Zen is a perfect match for hot wings. Is that effeminate, drinking wine with Super Bowl? Absolutely not. No. Very manly. It's not. Very manly. 
You know, so many football players now have their own labels, by the way. Is that right? Which, we which have, we're talking about that on the show today. We have Terry yeah. Hogue here in Paso Robles Hi, making wine. Hogue. There you go. Yeah. Because they're done with beer. Okay. All right. So keep going back with your pairing. Oh, I would just say that I'll be drinking red wine, and I really enjoy everything in Paso Robles. There's no such thing as a bad wine here in Paso Robles, and they're available all around the country, as you know right now. Listen to these Paso Robles guys pitching Paso wines. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, my favorite food for Super Bowl would be a dip of chili and cream cheese cooked up hot served with Fritos it's kind of decadent it's something you only do once a year that's my Super Bowl food so what pairs with that cream cheese well I was going to go back to the Zin Zin is just my go-to for a nice afternoon with some spicy food okay we've got Lannon here he is the wine director at a fabulous restaurant called Thomas Hill Organics yes (laughs) Lannon hey nice nice being here I'm I'm a chips guy chips and dip at, at Super Bowl parties I fill up on that before anything else and I say class it up with some bubbles and some kind of salty chips. There, there are it's people out there that awesome. are going to say bubbles and Super Bowl is just hey, so not right. You have to mix it up. What yeah. beer have? I think you, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Beer good has point bubbles now. in it. Yeah. Okay. And then like the chicken wings, I would say like, I, I like to call on the Zen, but I feel like if you're going like hot spice, you need that sweet factor and you need that chill factor from the, the temperature of a cool Okay. So bring wine. it home. What's it going to be? Let's do a uh, Gewürztraminer. Okay. Dry Gewürztraminer. Dry Gewürztraminer. Or, or, or Riesling. You can find dry Rieslings uh, nationwide. Okay, Zara dying to talk. Dying to talk. <laughs> okay. Because I love football. Okay, so let's talk about a five-layer bean dip. I was thinking more nachos. Let's talk about nachos. Like, okay. It could be five-layer nachos. Okay, all right. Nachos with everything, like jalapenos. And what would you point somebody toward? Well, I'm a fan of a rosé, a dry rosé. I think I would... You're telling the football fans of America Mm -hmm. to drink rosé. Yeah. By the way, you know, pink is not sissy at all, is it? I'm wearing head-to-toe pink right now, and I look sexy as hell. You look sissy as hell. I'll tell you that right now. That is Chris We don't use the word sissy around here. All right, all right. Sexy is the new sissy. I like sexy as the new 60. So what would you pair it with? Fried bean dip. Well, you know, fried bean dip is... No, it's not fried bean dip. You're not a football fan, are you? I'm a huge... I'm I'm an English football fan. It's a five-bean dip. A five-layer bean dip. It's got a layer of sour cream. It's got a layer of beans. I am thinking Spanish... Rioja. I'm going Tempranillo-based Rioja. Wow. Spicy, nice. Lil Tannin, lovely cherry notes, sun-kissed. And, you know, the one thing that we've avoided talking about, and I don't know why. On purpose. Not bourbon, is <laughs> hot dogs and sausages. Because to me, you can't have a Super Bowl without a selection of hot dogs and sausages. Okay. And I'm thinking Andouille sausages, Louisiana hot spicy with those Tempranillo, uh, with, the, with the Tempranillo wine. And then I'm thinking if you're doing like a, a richer sausage, uh, maybe some brats or some Italian sausage, you know what? Just go for it. Sangio would be good. Uh, a, a nice Barbera. Or, you know, let's go the whole nine and throw in a Syrah. Let's just get rich and tannic wow. and heavy and dark. Particularly as the end of the game comes, it's dark. You've had a few drinks. You want something just rich to coat the palate and get the night going. To me,
me, deep, heavy, smoky Syrah All right. is the nice Let's go back to Zara. You, you've got that hot dog or sausage. You're putting it up against your lips. What do you drink? We will go to Adam Lazar for that. So I'm thinking, yeah, I actually like, because I think I, I would agree uh, that Syrah is a ridiculously versatile uh, grape. But for me, I mean, we've, we've covered pretty much most of them. Pinot Noir. No one's even talked about Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is... That's for the losing team. It's all about chair. It's for the visiting team, right? Yeah. Who is the visiting team? Which losing team? I said losing team. Yeah. You can't win on Pinot. Why is everybody staring at me? Your tongue. I'm such. Oh come on. Pinot is not a winning wine. Yeah, let's not harsh on. All right, that. fine. So no, no, okay, uh, go ahead. All right, backlash. it's not my my place to editorialize. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so we got so we got Carolina. So, in honor of Carolina, what would be a cuisine from uh, what is a Car- barbecue? Carolina barbecue. Okay, Carolina barbecue. Yeah, uh, slaw vinegar based sauce. Actually, Pinot would a good a good Oregon Pinot Noir would go fantastic with Carolina based barbecue because you've got that high acidity, that brightness, but then you've got a little sweetness from the slaw, the earthiness, those cherry notes, that color. That spice from a Pinot, an Oregon Pinot, is just going to absolutely slice through the middle of that line. Like Cam Newton is going to slice through the Denver defense. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that's right. You know, Should I you just know, drop the mic on the bed? You know what? I'm sorry, but if I'm going to yeah, go against that big, beautiful barbecue with that sweet, luscious mm, that's going on there, it's going to be Syrah. I'm going back to Syrah. All right, you guys. We're going to come back in just a little bit and uh, talk more about Super Bowl and wine. But the main takeaway here is wine is perfectly acceptable with football, right? I mean, wine is perfectly acceptable with everything. But in particular, the foods that we're going to be having for the Super Bowl are going to be too spicy. They're going to be too rich. They're going to be too everything. And nothing will pair better with any of these foods than something with a lot of acid, with a lot of richness, a lot of depth, and nothing beats a great wine. Which you're not going to get with Coors Light, right? No. And beer's not, or wine's not going to fill you up like a beer will. You put down a six-pack of beer, your gut expands about three times. You put down a bottle of wine, you're good to go the next day. So what you're saying, Chris, is that you can drink more wine with football. You can drink more wine with football, and you can watch more football with wine. And you will understand the game better. You will understand the game better unless you drink too much wine, in which case you will understand the game worse. And, and you will not beat up your friends, right, Adam? Uh, nobody gets in a it, nobody gets in a wine bar brawl. That's true. There it's are true, no yeah. Irish wine brawls out there. Alright, okay, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this as we talk about wine and football for Super Bowl number five zero. Whoa. You're listening to Grape Encounters Radio, where we tell you things your parents never taught you about wine. But don't blame them. Grape Encounters wasn't around in those days. Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at grapeencounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Coravin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at GrapeEncounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero. 
the gateway to good times at visitatascadero.com. Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street, the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends. Are you ready? Are you ready for some football? Hey, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and a little while ago we were talking to Philip Norden of the Treehouse Vineyards in uh, North Carolina. And, of course, uh, the big game is coming up, and it is going to be the Carolina Panthers versus the Denver Broncos. We chose two wineries that we thought epitomized the grape encounter culture and who also would provide some, let's say, friendly competition between winemaking entities. We have on the line now, this is an amazing place. It is in downtown Denver. It is called the Infinite Monkey Theorem. It is the brainchild of Ben. Ben Parsons, the CEO and winemaker. And Ben, welcome to Grape Encounters. Yeah, thanks for having me. You have one of the most bizarre <laughs> bizarre operations that I've ever seen, and I haven't even been there yet, but just checking it out on the website. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You're an urban winery. You, I guess you source all your grapes, right? Yeah, so we started in uh, 2008. We're an urban winery, 10 blocks from downtown Denver. Uh, we put wine in a bottle. We actually can four different wines. We make a dry hopped pear cider as well. Wow. Take a lot of products. And um, yeah, the bottled product that we produce is actually fruit from the western slope of Colorado. So there's like a American viticultural area over there about four hours due west of Denver over the Rocky Mountains called the Grand Valley. And it's in a town called Palisade, which um, is right next to a larger town called Grand Junction, but actually grows some pretty good fruit there. And so it, the product that we put in the more kind of traditional packaging, at least, is all fruit from uh, the western slope of Colorado. So nothing imported into Colorado from California in the form of juice? Well, the stuff that we put in a can is all fruit from um, like Lodi. Okay. So we have these three different product categories, bottles, you know, 95 to 100% fruit from Colorado, the cans, 100% fruit from California, and then the stuff that we have on tap. Some of that's Colorado, some of it's California, some of it's Oregon, some of it's Washington. All right. So some of our California listeners are wincing right now. They're going, what? You're putting our wine in cans? <laughs> but just think perfect. about it. It's perfect for football games because you put it in a koozie, right? And nobody knows That's whether right. you're drinking wine or beer. And We, ha- we have koozies for them. It's single serve. It's an 8.4 ounce can. You can pack it in, pack it out, drink it straight out of the can. It's 100% recyclable. doesn't weigh much. It can go anywhere where your glass bottle can't. So think about football stadiums, baseball stadiums, airlines, music venues, camping, pool parties in Las Vegas. 
think about the infinite number of opportunities there are for that product that glass is not a good option for. You just sold me. There are two things that I have been resistant to during the uh, almost eight years that we've been doing the show. One is screw caps and the other one is is <laughs> wine and cans. But I have become a true liberal, <laughs> at least a wine liberal, <laughs> and I'm okay with it, especially because you've got such cool labeling. The monkey. Talk about the monkey because he's got a very definite look on his face and I have been staring at him for about the last half hour on my computer screen. I'm not sure what he's trying to say to me. <laughs> when we were starting the winery, we were obviously brainstorming about names and um, we came uh, upon uh, this old mathematical theory called the infinite monkey theorem that, that states if you set a monkey at a typewriter and it had an infinite amount of time, it would type the entire works of Shakespeare. In it. And uh, it, you might think, wow, what a crazy name for a winery, but uh, you know, it tests your understanding of the concept of infinity and the fact that given an infinite amount of time, anything and everything is possible. So think about it, your monkey is your random letter generator. He's banging away at a keyboard. There's only 26 letters of the alphabet and therefore there's only a certain number of permutations of letters that could even make <laughs> words, right? So given right. an infinite amount of time, your monkey has to type everything that's ever been written and everything that's ever been written an infinite number of times. You've just ruined, my, my, mind, just ruined my entire day because I am not going to be able to stop thinking about this. And it's like, you're probably thinking, how on earth does it relate to winemaking? Well, think about the number of variables that are involved in viticulture right. and in knowledge. Think about how chaotic that system can seem. And, and think about how hard any agricultural pursuit is when you think about the vagaries of, of the climate and the weather, right? And and, and wine is fun because it's different year in, year out. And, and I would argue there's nothing more chaotic than growing grapes in Colorado at 4,500 feet with a 200-day growing season. Wait a second. You're growing the grapes at 4,500 feet? Yeah, Palisade is some of the highest oh my gosh. area in the Northern Hemisphere. So what do you grow at that altitude? There's a spectrum of, of varietals that are planted because it's so site-specific. So the Grand Valley is, you know, the Colorado River runs through it and it valley opens up onto a, a river valley and uh, you have these adiabatic winds that come up and down the valley depending on the time of day after the, the desert kind of heats up and then it swings back down the valley, which kind of extends the growing season. And, and if you're at 4,500 mm. feet, of course, you have like a much higher like UV light presence, which aids in ripening. So yes, it may be a short growing season, but you can really catch up just given the intense summer days that we have. I mean, we can be over 100 degrees for sure, you know. Everyone thinks Colorado thinks snow, but yeah, exactly. you get to the western slope of Colorado, you're, you're a high desert plain. You right. know? I mean, some of the vineyards I get fruit from are at 6,000 feet. No Pretty kidding. Pretty crazy. But the yeah. potential for disaster has got to be there, right? I mean, especially as you get to... Marginality is tough. Like, so some years you have a really good crop, some years you wouldn't have any crop but you know think about like the diurnal temperature swing when you get into the mountains it's, it's significant and it, and it lends to some some very high quality grapes that can be grown and, and in, in all honesty in a good year it's as good as any fruit that I've made wine from anywhere in the world I did a, my training in Australia and New Zealand and I would say it's just as good as that fruit we're talking to Ben Parsons he's the CEO winemaker behind the infinite monkey theorem which is an urban winery in downtown uh, Denver, Colorado. So uh, let's talk about football for a second. First of all, has Peyton Manning tasted any of your wines? Um, I don't know if Peyton's a, a huge wine connoisseur, but the wines are prevalent throughout uh, Denver. So if he goes out to eat, uh, and I'm sure he likes a steak or two, uh, he can probably find our wines at one of the uh, the restaurants in town. Okay, we're, we're going to make it our mission to find out for you. 
That way you can, you can plaster it all over the winery there. Tell me this, for the typical foods that people would eat during the big game, yeah. which of your wines do you think pair with some of the most popular things? Like, say, for instance, a five-layer dip. What are we going to drink? <laughs> hey, I would go with, uh, you know, I think um, a bottle of the Riesling would go really well with that. But also, you know, if you wanted something a little bit more uh, portable for, for tailgating, then uh, why not? You know, a little a can of Moscato or a, a can of rosé. Uh, even one of those would go oh, really well. Is a, Moscato is a great idea. It's really funny, though, because I'm just going to give you a, a little hint. Uh, you probably didn't hear it, but our experts that were sitting around on the bed, they chose Riesling as well for that. Oh, really? <laughs> All right, let, let's funny. let's talk about uh, something on the barbecue because uh, undoubtedly there will be uh, burgers being grilled out there, hot dogs, and maybe some nice steak. You're in Colorado, so definitely yeah. some amazing beef coming from Colorado. Any suggestions of uh, Infinite Monkey Theorem wines for that? Yeah, I mean, depending on the seasoning, I mean, a Cap Franc would go really well. Um, if you want something a little bit bigger and bolder, you know, you can't go wrong with the Malbec. And uh, if, uh, if you're getting into anything that's slightly gamier, you know, our Syrah would be a really good pairing. Is it just my imagination, or is Cab Franc poised to be one of the next most high-profile wines out there. I mean, I'm seeing I mean, a, it, I'm seeing a lot like of it, I'm seeing yeah. a lot of motion there, and that's just just something that I'm observing. Yeah, it's super hot. So like things come in, in cycles, and uh, I feel like Cab Franc was fairly popular, you know, 15 years ago, and and now uh, more and more, at least uh, U.S. wineries are putting out single varietal Cab Francs, and I guess there's more of a market for it now. It's uh, it's not quite as heavy as a Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, but um, and it can really pair well with a lot of. I tell you what, wines, it's you know? it's a good Cab. Franc versus a good Cabernet Sauvignon, and, and I will go with the Cab Franc. I mean, after all, it mm -hmm. was Cabernet Sauvignon's father. The Cabernet Sauvignon right. was the love child of Cab Franc <laughs> and Sauvignon Blanc, and people don't realize that. Got to respect your dad. No. Now, l let me ask you this. If Cam Newton came into your place the night before the game, and you had the opportunity to feed him any kind of wine that would slow him down a little bit, what would it be? I'd either like fill him full of Moscato, which has quite <laughs> bit of residual sugar to give him a nice pounding headache or, uh, <laughs> or even multiple cans of Moscato or, uh, or you know, a couple of bottles of the Petit Verdot. That uh, so that's exactly what I was going to ask you if you made Petit Verdot. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, three or four bottles of Moscato followed by Petit Verdot. Nobody's playing football. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Anyway, all right. Uh, right. Last question, uh, Ben. We need to know the answer to the following question. If you could magically replace the Gatorade that is going to be consumed by the Denver Broncos during the big game with any one of your wines in an effort to try to improve the outcome of the game, what would it be? Just one wine. got to be like something lively, refreshing, not too high alcohol, good acidity. I mean, I would go with the Riesling, you know. It, it's off dry. Most people would think it was dry. Like it's going to wake you up, perk you up, get you going, get that mouth watering, make you a little bit alert without feeling drowsy because it's only like 10.5%. Plus you got that residual sugar that's going to give you a real uh, sugar high. It's going to ah. give you a, a quick boost of energy for uh, 
for that second half. And plus, Riesling is a happy wine. And attitude is everything during a football game, I think. All right, Riesling, is that your final answer? I think Riesling. All right, very good. Okay, it is called the Infinite Monkey Theorem. And thanks to my guest, Ben Parsons, the genius behind the monkey. All right, we're going to have more Grape Encounters right after this. We like to talk about wine. Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Corbin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at GrapeEncounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com. If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. She's earthy, honest, and sipping each week as a service to you. From Sunset Magazine, it's Sarah Schneider, and this is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio. We had a keg in the closet, pizza on the floor, left over from the night before. All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio and in the studio now, the lovely Sarah Schneider with a glass of wine. Today we're going to talk about a subject near and dear to my heart. I'll let you introduce it. Wines by the glass in restaurants. And how it's changed. There have been a couple of real game changers in the past few years. There have been wines by the glass on most restaurant lists for a very long time, but it has been a crapshoot really as to how good those wines are. Especially Good, good, good meaning two things. Right. The quality of the wine in general and the condition of the wine. And the condition of the wine. How sound is it? Yeah. And that that's because they are poured from bottles and you you want a kind of rare wine that they have put by the glass. You might have been the only one to order a glass in the last three days. And that bottle was open three days ago. And the staff really doesn't want to pour out two-thirds of a bottle. And so they serve it anyway. And the wine is oxidized. And I have friends working 
in the industry who have told me that that is way, way, way too often the case. I would say that honestly, and I mean this sincerely, two out of three glasses of wine are tainted in some way that I have in the past ordered by the glass. The first thing that you want to do when you're in a restaurant is find out how often they're uncorking those bottles because chances are the more obscure the wine is that you order by the glass, the greater the chance that that wine has been in the bottle, maybe even two weeks. It yeah. happens. Yikes. And not everybody throws the wine away. And even if they're using some kind of a preservation system like a vacuum vin or they're spraying argon gas like private preserve into the bottle, it still is only going to give that wine, if it's a red wine especially, three days is going to be max. And anything beyond that, the wine's done. So if you were in a high volume restaurant with lots of wine coming out to tables, right. you're better off. Yeah. If it's a small restaurant that's not selling a lot of wine, that wine is going to be in bad shape. But here's the good news. The good news is, is that when you get a tainted glass of wine and it's clearly turned and you send it back, they now have to open another bottle and you're going to get a fresh glass of wine from the bottle and you should not be afraid to send the wine back. So how would you um, describe oxidation character. so that people know when they're tasting something that's tainted? It's wine on its way to turning into vinegar. But wine can't turn to vinegar on its own. It needs vinegar mother. That is true. It just turns to a really badly oxidized product. Yeah. It's doing, yeah. it's going through the it's same process. It's going through the same process, but okay. it won't turn into but a tasty thing. Yeah, it's not going to be, you don't thing. save it and try to put it on your salad later right. because you need the, the vinegar mother for that to happen. Okay. So the solutions you were going to talk about. And that is the practice of wineries kegging their wine. That is sending it to a company like Free Flow Wines in Napa that puts it into stainless steel kegs and distributes it to restaurants to serve on tap. So wines on tap, I'm telling you, in much of the western part of the country and, and even the east coast, there's almost no new restaurant that opens that doesn't have a number of taps devoted to wine. And it allows them to pull a glass of wine, like you'd pull a beer, um, and some gas shoots in to cover the surface of that wine in the keg to keep so are the they oxygen using argon out. or nitrogen? What are they using? I think many of them are using argon. Yeah. Be, yeah. Being the preferred gas, right. for sure. Yeah. Right. And if it's a wine that's meant to be drunk when it's fairly young and fresh, red or white, you will get a very sound, fresh glass of wine. And I am so for it. And, and by the way, if you are ordering wines that are served from a keg or even wines that are boxed these days. Uh, so many of the really good wineries are doing this. Oh, they are. So just yeah. because it's on tap does not mean at all that it is a uh, low quality wine. Absolutely not. Even it's I, just I, the opposite. Actually, I know that true. you're based on the central California coast. There are a ton of wineries all around you that are kegging. Uh, just beautiful examples like Tablas Creek. Um, in Paso Robles is kegging a lot of their wines. Tangent down in Edna Valley with all of their alternative whites. You'll find their Albarino on tap, their Grenache Blanc. Another thing that's very interesting about all of this is that when a winery doesn't have to pay for bottling, labeling, corking, they're actually able to sell that wine for a lot less money, which means that a glass of wine is going to cost a lot less money if it's coming out of a keg than if it's coming out of a bottle. And the other other side that that warms my heart is that the carbon footprint 
current of that wine just plummets. It's a fraction of what it would be if it got sent out in a bottle with all of that glass being shipped and having to be recycled or not. It's really environmentally sound way to drink your wine. Okay, so there are a couple of other things that are game changers as well. And the most important, I think, these days is the Coravin. I would agree with you there. They, you know, we mm-hmm. advertise Coravin on this show, but not because of any other reason except that I really believe in this product. Everybody ought to have one. And every restaurant for sure should have one. Right. Because and many do. You, you don't have to throw away wine anymore. And what's really cool about it is that you are now able to sell really high-end wine by the glass. And a lot of people don't want to spend $150 to buy a bottle of wine because they don't want to take that risk. But for $25 for a glass of that wine, it's pure pleasure for them. And they get to try it without putting a bunch of money out there. Right. Even though that's a hefty price for a glass of wine, but it could be just a terrific discovery. So if you see some fairly expensive wines being served by the glass, you can probably know that they've got a Coravan back there, the the device that sticks a needle through the cork without pulling the cork and, and pulls off a glass of wine, preserving the rest of the bottle. And you might just ask them. Yeah, I think that's a very important question. If you are in a place that is selling pricey wine by the glass, you need to know whether they're using some sort of an argon-based or nitrogen-based system, which is either going to be a Coravin um, or something like an Enomatic, which is basically a, I, I guess we could call it a machine that dispenses wine from yeah. the bottles. And usually they hold like eight bottles and they add argon to the bottle as they subtract the wine from the bottle. And so the wine stays pretty pristine. But the machines are very expensive. I think they're something close to $20,000. Yikes. So a a lot of places don't have them yet. And sooner or later, I think there'll be a probably uh, less expensive version. But I have two of them. Oh. Yes. And at your wine bar. Yes, we do. And they, Good to and know. I've never had to throw a drop of wine away that has been poured out of an enomatic. Good to know. So we have that and the Corbin. So just ask. If you're going to spend anything more than a few dollars for a glass of wine, you have every right to ask how the wine is kept and preserved because if all they're doing is just shoving the cork back in it, the wine is going to be tainted, probably. And if it is tainted, you should have no reservations about sending it back. Do it, and then they'll open a fresh bottle, and you're the winner. All right, that's going to do it for Sipping with Sarah. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. And of course, my guest has been Sarah Schneider from Sunset Magazine. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.